turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that could save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Abbott. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. We have a very special The Heart of Innovation. It's our Save My Piggies episode. And before we really get into the thick of it, I want I have a special announcement, Dr. John Phillips. Yay! Since you introduced us to nurse practitioner Deidre Arms out of Ohio, you saved her life. She and I have been doing a lot of talking, and she has agreed that starting in 2024, she is going to be the Way to My Heart's Director of Wellness. Because as you know, lifestyle modifications are a really big deal. Patients have so much power to improve their prognosis with peripheral artery disease and heart disease. And so she is going to help lead the charge in 2024 to really revolutionize our program and help patients. That That is fantastic. Deidre, um, among other things, is a very focused young lady who I will never forget once we got her through that pretty rough patch because I remember she saw me in the hospital or in the office a couple times and she was anemic and not doing well, but she stayed positive. She stayed focused. Next thing you know, I'm getting texts from her. She's climbing a mountain and, you know, uh, well, I'm making things up, but you know, I could I could see her skydiving. I could see her, um, uh, you know, scuba diving. Whatever she does, she just she's one of these people that you know kind of dealt with the situation, and instead of kind of going towards the dark end of the thing, she toward she gravitated towards the light and was positive and took what we said to heart and mind and changed her life. And I think she's going to be a great addition to the team. So congrats. Thank you. I'm super excited about it and um, looking forward to like just talking to other people and helping other people on this journey as well, because that's what I think we need a community. We need um, to support everybody else as well. Um, But I have something kind of special for you, Dr. Phillips. So not only did you save my life, but through this entire process, Um, And this last, um, we did a podcast together and I sent it to all my family, you know, really excited about it. And uh, well, my sister has a little story to tell you. She's on here tonight. um, And your sister? Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. Cool. (laughs) Dr. Phillips, do you recognize Ange? I I can't see the level on. 
<laughs> in case everyone's wondering, we also have it. We're we're broadcasting via Zoom to 8.60 a.m. the answer on the radio. So we can see each other. You just can't see us. Not everyone can see us. <laughs> oh, my and gosh. Welcome. Yeah, Hi, Dr. Phillips. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Welcome. <laughs> so, Ange, how did you get introduced to Dr. Phillips? Look, so, he's turning red. <laughs> I had <laughs> vascular disease for about four or five years and I have been seeing a totally different doctor who done two surgeries on my leg and then he said to me there's nothing wrong with you it's just arthritis you need to see your primary care and he wouldn't do anything for me and I switched doctors and I got paired up with Dr. Kalori and then Dr. Phillips does his surgeries and he'd done the one and only surgery I've had to have since then and he scraped my um, like my groin artery out, and he done that surgery. And I haven't had to have surgery since. I'm walking. I've lost weight. I'm like living my best life at this point. And I totally owe that all to Doctor Phillips. And when I heard that podcast, I was like, Oh my gosh, Deidre, that's my vascular doctor. I had no <laughs> idea that was your cardiologist. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's. You know, I'm actually I don't know what to say. <laughs> so um, I, I'm glad I'm glad you're doing well, and <laughs> I'm glad the two of you are doing well. And uh, you know, it's, it's I mean, what are the chances <laughs> I, I, that I you know I guess I didn't put two and two together, and nor nor <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but yeah, life is life is a small. It's a small world out there. So I'm glad you're doing well. That's that's right. I, I remember I remember your case because it was one of those where we had some issues, but uh, we got her fixed up. And um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad yeah. you're doing well. I go in December. This will be year three of my scans that hopefully we have no problem. So I'm looking forward to a good bill of health and and to move on from there. So I definitely owe that to you. And I can walk anywhere I want at this point and I just have never felt better. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, mean, I think it's amazing that here you have Deidre and you saved, I mean, these are two sisters. You saved Deidre's life and her sister Angie's limb. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> incredible. That's when they so told perfect. me about it, I was like, how do we pull this off? How do we surprise Dr. Phillips in his own Save My Piggies episode? I, I hate, I'll and tell you one thing. he's the one who did it. He, you're the one who saved the piggies. No, I know, but I uh, I don't like surprises. You can tell I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> um, my wife threw me a 40th surprise party a while ago, and I didn't like it, so... But uh, all right, I'm gonna and let's let's talk. <laughs> let's let's talk. I'm again. Hey, listen. I was. I'll tell you this though. Today I had to give a talk to our uh, some of our cath lab staff, which you guys have met, and um, it was on peripheral arterial disease. Talk about it, and uh, I, I titled it "Peripheral Arterial Disease." And the it was I said why I said why with a question mark because a lot of times the staff kind of looks at me and some of us that do some of the work mainly in the legs and in the, in the patients that have critical limb ischemia, like, why are you doing this? 
why are you spending all this time and, and effort when you know it's going to close up again or the patient's not going to be compliant or, you know, you've, you're just rearranging chairs in the deck tape on the Titanic, deck chairs on the Titanic. And I say because there are patent, I, I know patients, I have patients that have done well, uh, and they are the inspiration to keep keep moving, keep on moving. Yesterday, for example, I had a gentleman that um, he was told he needed a major amputation. I said, let me see if I can help you out. We almost, if you, Kim, you've heard me say this sometimes, or when I talk to other folks, like I'm the definition of insanity is kind of doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And so I was down to my last like bag, the, the last thing in my bag of tricks, and it just happened to work, right? So we get blood flow, and the, I tell the guy, the patient's wife, and she basically started crying, and she was so happy. And and I told that story to my staff because I'm like, listen, this is why we do those things. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. My inspirational quote to them today was, war was not won by generals alone. And so, you know, we're all in battle together. Um, and we all work together, pull the rope in the same direction to help help people. And so I'm, I'm super tickled that you guys are both on the show, but I'm going to have to have Kim do most of the question asking because I just got to get my, my wits about me here. Well, we're going to give you a moment to get everything, to take this all in, and we're going to head to break. We'll be right back with Deidre and Ange, so stay with us right here on the Heart of Innovation's special Save My Piggies episode. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Save my piggies, your life, your limb, your story. With host Dr. John Phillips and Kim McNicholas. Welcome back, everyone, to this special Save My Piggies episode of The Heart of Innovation. Um, in our first segment, we had the opportunity to surprise Dr. Phillips, who created the Save My Piggies idea and the entire show around it and the series. And it's not often that we actually had you do a Save My Piggies and one of the piggies that you saved. So, um, except we did do a special with Deidre. Right. You saved her life. Um, She was on the verge of a heart attack. You ended up revascularizing her heart and saving her life, getting her back on her feet. Um, But we haven't, I don't think, done an episode where you've saved their legs. But yet every week, every other week, you're either on call and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I got to run out. I got to go save some piggies or just a few weeks ago. 
we were waiting and waiting and waiting. You had an emergent <laughs> case and you never even made it to the show. So first priority is always saving those piggies. So um, it was really interesting oh. when I was having the conversation with Deidre, I was just tickled pink that she came to me to tell me first that you saved her sister's legs. And I thought, well, <laughs> you're the one who introduced me to Deidre. And I thought, yay, she came to me first to tell me <laughs> this tip. Well, so, so <laughs> I guess let me let me just say this, Kim, because the Save My Piggies kind of idea, yes, that was my idea. But, you know, you have kind of helped usher it into the 21st century and actually got the ball kind of rolling to have these episodes because your network is much greater than mine. And yes, to your to your point, there, I think we've had a couple of guests that are mine, but the vast majority are yours. And so I have to thank you for the partnership that we have uh, working together to create not only the Save My Piggies, but the Heart of Innovation. And and in fact, I did do a shameless plug with my uh, during my talk with the, the, my staff today with the, your background, the background of the Heart, or the heart of Innovation, the Save My Piggies. So everybody knows what Save My Piggies is around here. And now I think they understand why I do what I do or we do what we do because I shared with them some of the sobering statistics of high mortality rate in this patient population and an amputation rate. And if you have an amputation, what's that, what that means? So I think everybody's a little bit more um, understanding of some of the complexity of the cases and understand why we do what we do. But, you know, these two sisters, I think it's amazing that, um, you know, both of them, uh, have been able to be helped within the medical system, not necessarily just by me, but, you know, the fact that, um, you know, you guys kind of sought out, like Deidre, for example, I referred you to doctor. I mean, we got you kind of stabilized and then Dr. Blossom did the bypass um, and that kind of moved things forward for you. And then Ange, obviously you had Dr. Cleary, my partner, and he kind of referred, uh, referred you into me. And so, you know, we all work together as a team. So I, I, I'm tickled pink, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are doing well. That's all. <laughs> the one thing that stands out about you, Dr. Phillips, is you listen to the patient. And that's a lot for a woman in her 40s. And we both were when you met us. We're both that in our true. 40s. And you did listen. And we no longer feel helpless because of that. It's empowering as a patient to have a provider who listens. Well, I, you know, I, I would just say that um, we all need to be more empathetic. And I've had some some guests on our show that have, you know, kind of called me out about certain things because because, you know, for example, I'm running really behind today and in cases. And, and sometimes we don't think about like when we say we're just going to cancel a case. And, the, you know, for us, it's kind of like whatever. But for the patient, yeah. that's a big deal. And we try to be more empathetic. And that's really hard. But it's really interesting because both of you are in your 40s. And I have so many patients coming to me on a weekly basis that always say, my doctor says I'm too young to have PAD. And so they don't listen. They do brush it off. And you said that you were brushed off um, with textbook symptoms, right? And they said, it's just arthritis. Did they even do any sort of evaluation on you? Can you walk us through that journey of when you first started experiencing symptoms of PAD and what what doctors that you went to that continued to brush you off? So I had been to several doctors to complain about it for probably up to 10 years before anyone figured out what was going on with me. And then I actually had a heart attack when I was 40. And then 
I kind of got referred from the cardiologist I was seeing at that time. They said, oh, that sounds like vascular disease. So they referred me to the doctor down the hall. Um, and I went in and I done test and they immediately admitted me for my first surgery. So he had put a balloon behind um, like where my knee bend is to open that up because I ha had like a 96% blockage in my leg. It was very serious. Um, so they done that first emergency surgery. And within, I'm going to say three months, I couldn't walk again. And I was walk trying to walk on the treadmill every day. And, and we were going for walks at night and I could barely make it like to the stop sign at the end of our street in our little neighborhood. It, it was just crazy and I could barely walk from my car into work. It was super debilitating. And then um, we got scheduled for a second surgery and they did um, some stents in the bottom of my leg. And then it was probably three months later, I went back to him and I said, this is still terrible. And he just treated me like I was crazy. I didn't know my own body. And he was like, there's no way that's not working. You're just feeling arthritis pain. And then I said, I'm not doing this. And I talked to Deidre about it. And and we just decided, let's get a second opinion and let's move on from that. Um, and I called Dr. Kalori's office and I explained my situation and they were like, yep, we're going to see you. And then they did the test like within a week and probably within a week or so later, I was in with Dr. Phillips having surgery. And this is something that we talk about in our network, you know, with patients all the time, different doctors, different approaches, different tools, different techniques. And I've traveled around the world to nearly a dozen countries, more than 30 states, watching hundreds of doctors perform thousands of hours of procedures. And what was most disconcerting to me was, you know, the different outcomes that, that would occur based on the different tools and the different techniques, the different skill sets that these doctors would have. And so, for example, in your case, you talked about a balloon behind your knee. That's the popliteal artery that's behind your knee. It's a very sensitive spot. You know, you you bend there. It's really easy for it to reocclude because it's just that bendy area, you know, lots of lots of tension there. And, you know, some doctors I would watch would go into the arteries and they would try to go zero to hero and unblocking those arteries. And so they would go in with a balloon. And so it's called balloon angioplasty. And so they would dilate or blow up a balloon, inflate a balloon. And some of them would just slump it up as hard and as fast as possible and just bump, 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 bump. And I'm like, oh, no, it's going to blow. Um, and they end up perforating or dissecting the arteries. So they have to put a stent in. And that's just going to trigger a very quick healing response. Um, they do the same thing, you know, across the leg, however. Now, a doctor like Dr. Phillips, who is more advanced trained in some of the newer techniques, is that he tiptoes into the vessel and he'll barely kiss it with a balloon, just blowing up the balloon just ever so slightly and slowly. So the 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 plaque just slowly is pushed to the side, trying to reduce or, or mitigate the risk of trauma or you try to reduce the trauma, right? And so usually we find, for example, in your case, that in doing so, using less traumatic techniques inside the arteries, it was yeah. more durable for you, right? Right. 
you were able to, I'm curious, you were able to, you know, get out probably within hours and go out and walk. Yes, I was home um, probably three hours after the surgery. And I think that evening we took a walk and um, Dr. Phillips followed up with me. He called me that evening to check on how it was doing. I was able to walk up. Um, I live in a split level house, so you have stairs going anywhere you need to go. So I was able to walk those with comfort. And then the next day, it was like I didn't even had never had an issue with my leg. So it was like immediately I had relief and I haven't had an issue with it since. And I had been going and having to have surgery or something done with my leg every three to six months. And nobody listening and like Deidre said, the day of surgery, Dr. Phillips came in and talked to my husband and I and there was a delay because there was an emergency and he explained all that and he listened to our concerns and it, it just was so smooth and so much better and I just felt so helpless and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, this person's going to listen and actually care about my, how I feel and, and how much better this is going to make my life. Coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, our Save My Piggy special. We'll have more with Ange and Deidre, as well as Dr. Phillips, so stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, we were talking about uh, Angie's limb-saving procedure that Dr. Phillips actually performed and the difference between some doctors who tried to go zero to hero, pumping up those balloons to open up those arteries, triggering that inflammatory response very quickly. The, it doesn't last very long. Dr. Phillips comes in. He really tiptoes in. Less is more is really the approach um, because Dr. Phillips, the whole idea with these procedures is just to give a patient that much more flow so that they have a, that much relief so they can get out and walk to be able to grow their collateral network of vessels, correct? Yeah, I mean, everybody has different disease, and my job is to kind of assess it. 
figure out what's going on, where the blockages are, where they aren't, what's the best way to treat it. And oftentimes, I was just sharing with our staff this morning, about 50% of people with PAD don't have any symptoms, and those that do, uh, you know, we try to manage them medically. And if not, then we proceed with procedure, whether it's endovascular or surgical. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's in the what's in the best interest of the patient. And I like to kind of minimize the approach. Uh, yeah. And and you can always it's it's like adding salt on your food. You you can always add more salt, but you can't take it off. So yep. you know, Good if, analogy. I, if I need if, if we need to some do some more work, we will. If we can you know, get away with being minimally invasive and less um, and not leave stent or whatever. I try to do that as well. So I'm glad and it right works. Now, and every once in a while we get it right. <laughs> but uh, you have to go save some more piggies. So we're going to continue the conversation. And Deidre, any final things to um, share with Dr. Phillips before he runs and saves some more piggies? Well, because of you, we get to have holidays together. So thank you. Uh, yep, just blessed to have met you for sure. You guys, uh, I'm I'm humbled. Um, again, it, it's a team effort, and I appreciate uh, everything uh, that Kim has done for the Save My Piggies kind of movement. And look, we look forward to helping more people, and look forward to seeing you guys again. So, again, sorry I've got to run, uh, but good seeing you, and uh, have a great uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you for jumping in in between cases. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know it's it's getting late there, so this is awesome. And we'll get hey, back guys. to you. I mean, it, it's just amazing, you know, how empathetic, you know, he is. And you were mentioning it earlier in, in the episode and what really drew you to him and keeps you coming back to a doctor like Dr. Phillips is the fact that he is someone who listens. He is empathetic. Was there any, you know, moment during your conversations with him that was really that turning point where you said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I'm sitting here with him and he's either spending so much time or he just answered this question for me. Well, I just felt like he had taken time out from like he was having some emergency surgeries and he was doing this and took the time out to come and speak to us and make sure all of our questions were answered and that we felt comfortable waiting and proceeding. And he even said, do we want to postpone this? Like, I got time to do it if you guys have time to just wait it out. And he just was so patient and kind and spent his time. And for me, that meant a world of difference from what I had had with the other doctor that I had been seeing. It was just um, so marvelous to me to have somebody that wanted me to feel comfortable and do whatever he could to make me comfortable. It's interesting because we've had several folks in our in our network who have said that they're very frustrated with even clinic appointments where the doctor will come in, they'll be 30 minutes late and they'll start the process of evaluating them. And then suddenly they barely have five minutes with them. Then the doctor's gone for 10 minutes out on a phone call. And then they come back and write things up, say, these are the things you're going to do and leave. And you're sitting there and it's like a whirlwind. Like what just happened here? Why did he even come here? And you're left with literally no hope. And it sounds like before you found these two doctors, that's really what you were feeling like as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I actually work in the medical world, so I understand. Oh, you how do as well. 
yeah, I do medical billing. So I worked in a physician's office for many years. So I understand how busy it gets and that doctors kind of have to do that to be able to see the amount of patients that need their care. So I'm not so much put off by the fact that they can only spend so many minutes because I understand there's patients that have other problems more um, priority than mine. Um, but at the same time, I feel like he definitely wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on. And he cared about what was going on with me where I don't feel like that was the case with the other doctor. It takes that one moment where they just can be human and they can ask you and say, Hey, you know what? And be honest with you about what's going on. Right. Hey, I have all of these other things going on. I really want to um, get to the heart of what's going on with you. I want to give you the time that you deserve and the quality of care you deserve. But this is really what's happening. How should we move forward? And I think that that type of approach is what really um, seemed to make the difference for you. Definitely. We did have a, a doctor, um, doctor um, in Louisiana who... Um, is his waiting room is always full. I mean, at least, you know, 30 to 40 patients. I mean, it's always full. He's always behind. But what he does is he comes out every once in a while and he makes an announcement to the waiting room and says, hey, everyone, I just appreciate every single one of you for being here. I appreciate your time. I know that this must be a strain on you, you know, waiting here. But I hope you understand is I'm trying to give each and every person who comes into my office the the quality time that they deserve. And I'm going to do the same for you. I'm sorry that I'm running late. And that goes such a long way, right? Everyone just wants to be heard and they want to feel like their doctor cares about them. So that does go a a very long way with most people. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, Deidre, you've never been delayed as a nurse practitioner everything is always on schedule right (laughs) just right on time all the time (laughs) yeah there are things that happen in the day that you just have no control over especially when you're dealing with patients and you always want to make sure that the one that's right in front of you in that moment gets the attention and time and care that you can give in that moment, right? You do. You want to make every moment count. Like sometimes you have a few, two minutes, an extra just eye contact, just listening and hearing what they have to say. It makes all the difference. And it also will make a difference in your clinical decision-making as a provider. Like, you know, when you hear that extra thing they have to say, I one time read something about, you know, when you're female and you're feeling tired and it's easy for providers to let that go because they're thinking of the more emergent things, but they sometimes don't hear like how tired and how it's affecting you to like make that click. Like if they know enough about your life to know that that is really a problem, um, then it is a value to their clinical decision making. Oh, that is such 
A great point. And coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, I want to dig into that a little bit more because I know a lot of other women especially have have that issue. So stay with us right here on The Heart of Innovation in this special Save My Piggy series. Hi, I'm Kim McNicholas with this week's Medical Notepad brought to you by Abbott. This week, let's talk about selecting a doctor only because you like and trust them. Liking and trusting a doctor simply because they have the title, great bedside manner, some positive reviews, and possibly work in a big name facility, or even that your physician referred you to their golf buddy. Well, that's not enough to determine if they have life and limb saving potential with your presentation of peripheral artery disease. Different doctors have different approaches, different tools, and different techniques. They also have different facility policies, which may include time limits for specific procedures versus others who may have greater freedom to spend more time on complex cases. Some doctors prefer conservative approaches. Some prefer minimally invasive procedures, while others perform only surgical solutions such as bypass endarterectomy and amputation, while some do it all. Some doctors may choose to treat sooner rather than later others later rather than sooner. There are some who will amputate without attempting to restore blood flow clear to the toes, some who won't even treat below the knee, some who won't even perform vascular assessments prior to an amputation at all. Some may even have access to lifestyle modification programs, such as supervised exercise therapy, heart disease reversal diet programs, smoking cessation programs, and more. So it's really important that you take a step back before deciding on a particular doctor to treat your circulation issues related to diabetes and or peripheral artery disease, to ask the right questions, to get customized questions based on your presentation of disease, call the Way to My Heart's Leg Saver Hotline at 415-320-7138. That's 415-320-7138. With this week's medical notepad, I'm Kim McNicholas, CEO of The Way to My Heart. Remember, the advice and views offered in this series are for informational and educational purposes only. Make sure you always check with your own healthcare team before acting on any advice offered here. For more information, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, um, Deidre was mentioning a really good point, especially when it comes to women and and the reason why it's so critical that physicians do take a little extra time to get to know the patient, to really understand that, you know, the symptoms that they're experiencing really are an issue and they shouldn't be brushed off no matter how old they are, especially like in your case, Deidre and Ange, with a significant family history, right? Exactly. I think um, with our family history, you know, We had an aunt at age 50, a mother who died of a stroke, a 32-year-old cousin who had had a stroke, 
Um, and then Ange is the youngest of, of me and my sisters. And she had her first heart attack at 40. And I remember her calling me and explaining to me. And I was like shaking, just like I knew what was happening. And I was like, you got to get to the hospital, take an aspirin right now. Like, and her husband was doing things. And I was like driving rapidly to get there. And when I got there, they're like walking me down the hall. And I'm seeing we're going to the cath lab. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't let this happen again. Like I had seen it many times. Um, you know, our grandfather died at 52 years old um, during open heart. So it's just really young. And when you have a male in the family that's really young, uh, like that, that has this going on and that, you know, cardiovascular disease just kind of peppered all through the family. Um, that's really important to listen to those people's history. And so when somebody like that comes to you with fatigue of any sort, because that's what we were talking about during the break, um, you know, you really want to see what their activity was. Like I had mentioned before, I could ride my bike every day 10 miles, and then all of a sudden I couldn't even go a mile without not being able to breathe. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. Like I, I know what I do right. And I know things I could improve on. And we all have areas in our health we can work on. But I knew what my activity was. And whenever you have this decline um, and you're trying to express it, you feel like you're getting gaslighted by the medical community often because you're trying to explain like this such a vague symptom as fatigue or just feeling restless and just nobody there's not a way to like convey that as a woman sometimes there's not well, a way and it may be a vague symptom to them but it has like destroyed your whole life and you can't function properly and they want to say things like are you sleeping are you eating right do you need to lose weight so then they just kind of boil it down to one thing when your whole life is affected by this one symptom that they feel is vague but it's not to you yeah, you know, I still find that many doctors, when it comes to heart disease, especially before they'll do anything, before they'll perform an advanced test, you have to report angina, cut and dried. I mean, even some patients that have peripheral artery disease, those blocked arteries in the legs, or three in five people who suffer a heart attack have PAD, they still refuse to check some doctors, some refuse to check the heart unless they have some sort of angina. And I'm curious, Ange, how long before you had your heart attack had you been experiencing this fatigue and were there any other symptoms? So really the vascular thing was the thing that started me, but everybody um, just wanted to act like it was my weight or what I was eating, like we had talked before. Um, but I, I really... I had no idea anything was going on with my heart whatsoever. So that morning that um, I woke up and I just felt the gloom and doom and then I got sick and I called Deidre and I said, this is what I feel like and I just don't feel right. And she, like she said, she knew immediately and she was like, you need to go to the hospital. You're having a heart attack. And I was like, oh, I am not like I'm 40. Why would I be having a heart attack? 
And she was like, I'm serious. And my husband-in-law was like, okay, let me get a shower because we just thought whatever. And she was like, you need to call the squad right now. So we did. And that is exactly what it was. So I wasn't really experiencing any symptoms until that morning. That you are aware of. Right. But that fatigue was probably real, probably evident beforehand. Yeah. And it probably had been going on for 10 or so years, but I'm diabetic and I kind of chalked it up to that and just kind of snowballed it in with high blood pressure and overweight. And because that's what I had been told in my past. So you have all the risk factors for it. And yet they still did not do any sort of preventative testing just to say, hey, you are at risk for a heart attack, stroke and even amputation with these risk factors. Uh, there was there was no stress test taken. There was no baseline set. None. And especially with that much family history on file, right. no one ever looked at that. And so were you the first one to have the heart attack or Deidre, was it you? I was the first one. So you were the first one. So Deidre, even with your sister having that heart attack, you still were being brushed off by your doctors and you were saying, Hey, Doc, no, my sister had a heart attack and she's younger than me. Are you sure that's not what's going on? I mean, I was literally riding my bike these 20 miles and suddenly I can't do it at all. I'm short of breath. I'm fatigued. Still nothing. They they knew my history. And the thing was, Angela's doctor come out after that heart attack and he looked right at me and he said, if your vascular is anything like hers, you need to be checked out now. And like I knew right then, like, you know, we're we're just peas in a pod. There are things in our family that some of us are strongly affected by and through our life that's been kind of Angie and I. And um, so it wasn't even wasn't even a year and mine happened. And how are your legs, Deidre? Well, Have you had your legs checked. I have not had my legs checked, so I'm not sure. I will tell you, I hike and walk a lot, Mm -hmm. um, but no, I haven't had my legs checked. So that's something I probably should talk to Dr. Phillips about. (laughs) He's the perfect person. He's in there saving piggies (laughs) right now. Uh, The one thing that we tell everyone, you know, especially when you do have a family history is, hey, doc, let's chat and chat is an acronym for hey doc check my carotid c stands for carotids h for heart not just you know listening to heart but also checking the valvular health of your heart maybe performing even an ecg ecg if possible a is for abdomen have them check for a brewery that turbulent flow in your abdomen checking for an aneurysm there my mom transitioned a year ago the doctor never even touched the patient if they would have touched my mom they would have known there was turbulent flow in her abdomen and they might have caught that aneurysm before she passed unexpectedly as they say and then t for toes checking your foot pulses your leg pulses especially if you're diabetic that is incredibly important right yes definitely well coming up right here on the heart of innovation we'll have final thoughts from both Deidre and Ange so stay with us welcome back to the heart of innovation 
For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the Save My Piggies special episode of the Heart of Innovation. We have Deidre and her sister Ange. And I am still, honestly, I'm still a little bit, and I know we're at the end of the show here, but I'm still in shock of the fact that you both have this family history. And yet it took, in each of your cases, having been on the verge of a heart attack for doctors to finally listen and get you in. Exactly. Um, And you know what's funny is if you come in with a family history of cancer, somebody's listening, right? Sometimes when you come in with this family history of cardiovascular, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know what it is in our medical community when it comes to women, especially, and I'm speaking for myself, and I have many women that I've cared for under the age of 50 that have had heart attacks, had open heart surgery, felt like they had never been heard, been to the ER, got sent home, come back. Like we have to do better. We we know better. We know this connection with family history. We know what genetics does. We know there are markers for people to have worsening um, vascular disease. So we have to pay attention to that. We have to do better in our our medical communities that if I can say that like as loud as I can, like just listen and pay attention to that family history because it means a lot. And I, I did have stress tests, um, but it was a seven minute stress test and I couldn't even like finish it. And they said, well, you had a robust thing, but why was I so short of breath? And And Dr. Phillips, if he were on here, he could have told you that was two years prior to my heart attack. And I had collaterals because I had a blockage. I had a blockage, like a complete blockage, 100% blockage of my LAD. And I had built a collateral system myself by trying to push through things like women always do. But then I still had the dissection when I seen him because when you aren't heard, you stop, you stop pushing for it at some point. Like, It's so true. I mean, when it comes to breast cancer, when it comes to colon cancer, when it comes to prostate cancer, there's pre-screenings now. You actually, as a human, you have a right to get a screening, preventative screening um, at a certain point. Why is that not the same and if it was the same, I know it. They would it would be for PAD. It would be having an ABI test or an ankle brachial index test, right, um, or a leg artery ultrasound. But what would it be for for heart disease? Except to to check your blood work, check your cholesterol. And there are some genetic markers. There are some things that are coming out that they're finding. Oh, genetic- little egg. I have that, and I'm sure Ange does too. We haven't talked about that yet. We talk about a lot, but. Um, so that's, those are things that you have to find a provider that will dig a little bit deeper into those things. Um, and and I did, but that was after the fact that was retrospectively. You got to be your best advocate, right? And you have to just push for it. No matter what, fight the politics. Don't worry about what other think people think, do what you feel is right for you. Right. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because your life, your limb are on the line. It's your life. It's your limb. It's your story. Thank you so much, Deidre and Andrew. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and Abbott. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network.